First Samuel chapter 17. Let's go get this word today. I'm excited. So I'm trying what I'm gonna try to do is pace myself today. And uh hey Candy Kyler, what's going on? I gotta call you. I gotta call you. I'm probably call you today. Definitely no later than tomorrow. All right, y'all there? Y'all there? On uh first Samuel chapter 17. Now as we as we do this series, um, well, let's read the text and then let's get in here. I'm going to start today. I'm just going to start at the end of the matter, if you will. All right. I'm going to start at the end of the matter in Hollywood. They do a thing called split transition. Split transition is when they start at the end of the movie and then take you back to the beginning. That is what we're going to do today. We're going to start at the conclusion of the matter as it relates to David and Goliath. And then we're going to go back to the beginning. Can we do that? So let's read here. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 49 says, then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it. And struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and uh, he killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand oh I love it or in the hand of David therefore David ran stood over the Philistine took his sword and drew it out of his hand or out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it so far our scripture reading today we're launching a new series today entitled killing your Goliath Tell somebody, we're going to kill it. Put it in the chat. We are going to kill it. Yes, killing your Goliath. Let's pray together right here. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you honor and glory. And I ask today, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us like never before. I ask, oh God, that you would give us the tools give us the strategy to take the head off of the giant that stands in front of us what we know is that we can't do it without you i thank you that yahweh you the lord are our help our very present help in the time of trouble so i thank you lord for the things that you will give us and teach us in this series so lord i ask you Think through my mind, speak through my mouth, give me clarity of thought, agility of wit, and allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. We give you glory and honor in Jesus name. Amen. Killing your Goliath. Okay, so let me give you, uh, here's, the, here's the straight out of the gate, and I'm not going to play around today, straight out of the gate, is uh, we all got giants. <laughs> we all have them and these giants are a part of our journeys it's just it's just a part of it you know um so we have to settle into the fact that because we are children of god that although god is the greatest he still has enemies and his plan in our lives is uh going to happen it's going to be victorious but it does not mean that there's not going to be any fights are you hearing what i'm saying and what i want you to embrace in this is not just killing your goliaths or killing your giants i want you to embrace the lessons okay because victory is not always in the giant dying there are many times that the victory comes in what you learn 
in the process of killing. <laughs> you learn that you got the weapons. You learn that you got the strategy. You learn that you're stealth. You learn that you're fixed and your mind is locked in, that your mind is a steel trap, that your sight and your focus is locked in. You learn some stuff. And sometimes I feel like in church, we, we teach so much the end game that we don't lift up enough the lesson. You see what I'm saying? We love to quote, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But Paul didn't get to that deduction just because it just came up. Paul gets to that deduction by saying, I have learned to be in lack. <laughs> I have learned to be in surplus. And he says, going through lack and surplus, I've come to this deduction. What is it, Paul? That I could do all things through Christ. So I've learned to abound and, and to abase because oftentimes the power is in the learning. I feel God. That ain't on my notes. So let me get back. Let me get back. Okay, let me get back. <laughs> so look, so listen, th these, these giants stand between our now and our next. Okay, just bottom line, they just do. And so the David and Goliath story has been shared for thousands of years. The truth of the matter is this story is about 3,000 years old. Believers and non-believers know the story. Um, it is often the... Um, metaphor that people use when it comes to, you know, corporate giants and, and the small person out there who's trying to sue the corporate giants, the David and Goliath story. You know, it's it's the small football team who's just had an amazing year going up against the national champions who've been who's hold who holds the championship for years and years. So they people always use this same metaphor. They paint this picture. But I believe here, guys, that there are nuggets for us in this 3,000 year old story. It's about to help us kill our giants. It's gonna help us kill Goliath. And let me tell you something. When I'm talking about that today, Goliath is a spirit now. Hear me, oh Lord. This is the first download. It's coming right now. It's the spirit. The Lord says the things that you fight, the things that stand up in front of you, have the spirit of Goliath. Don't get it twisted. Although we see Goliath as a giant depicted or something larger than the average man depicted in the story, he says really the, uh, that Goliath is a spirit, that you come against stuff that's bigger than you, that intends to intimidate you. That's what that is. And he says, what we're going to learn here is to how to deal with, kill, wrestle down, take the head off of the spirit of Goliath. Listen, I don't care where you are in life. The spirit of Goliath shows up. Sometimes it seems like if you're in school, in college or in high school or in middle school, it just seems like it's just too much for me. My class load is too heavy. That's the spirit of Goliath because you have the power through your Lord God to do everything you need to do to take the classes, to study, to get the work done and to pass the class. But when you feel like I can't do it, it's the spirit of Goliath coming to intimidate you. And this text is going to show us today that you got what it takes to take the head off of it. I don't know who that was for. That was for somebody. Your project seems big. Your life schedule right now seems overwhelming. Come on, the problems in the marriage or in the home seems huge. It's the spirit of Goliath that's coming to intimidate you. Okay, so we're going to start out this journey and we're going to deal with these nuggets. And uh, today, y'all, I only have two nuggets to give you. Now, 
Our time together today, I'm watching my time, our time together today is going to be a little different than normally, uh, normal, because normally, you know, we'll go through the text and I'll give you points as I come to them. Today, I want to just straight out give you the only two points I have for you today, and then we'll talk about them. I almost decided to sit down and talk to you today, but hey, we had prayer the other night and I sat down and we did prayer together, uh, Portia and I, and so we'll just stand up this time. So look, here's, point, here's your points for today. If you're writing, write these down. If you're going to kill your Goliath, number one, you must understand the narrative. If you're going to kill your Goliath, you must understand the narrative. Here's number two. If you're going to kill your Goliath, you must understand your assignment. Okay? It's just what the Lord gave me the way he gave me. I, I'm not trying to connect with YouTube or TikTok with that. Understand your assignment, know your assignment stuff. If it works for you, it works for you, whatever. But I'm just saying we got two things here today to deal with. We're going to deal with you must know the fact you must know the narrative and you must understand your assignment. OK, so. As I so so listen today, I just want I kind of want to talk to you about my experience with this text. Can I do that? Okay, so as I approach the text and this sermon series has been in my spirit for some weeks, right? And I'm so glad about it. I'm glad when God gives me the heads up before I finish one, I could all, all start all already be prepared for the next. And so when we came out of Kingdom Currency, if you've not heard Kingdom Currency, you need to because we are it, go listen to it anyway. So as I. Uh, approached our time together I used the study habit that I've always used and it is this the study habit I use is pretext plus post text gives you the context of the text for my preachers um, um, my presenters out there if you don't use this use it pretext Plus post text gives you context of the text. Read before the text that you're using, read after it so you can understand it in context. So this is what I've done. Okay, so in Samuel, we read here in chapter, uh, <laughs> you're welcome to call. So we're reading here in chapter 17. So I said, OK, fine. I want to start reading in chapter 16, because in chapter 16, David is introduced. OK, so I read chapter 16 and then I stepped over into chapter 17. And here's what I found out. I found out that in chapter 17, David is introduced wait something's wrong so let me go back and explain in chapter 16 here is the chapter that we're introduced to david because david is uh going to be anointed as king in chapter 16 okay so here's how it rolls god says to samuel who's the prophet of the day um, he is really the one that carries the presence of God. OK, um, he speaks the voice of God, although Saul was the king. OK, you just got to go back and read Samuel and understand that the people of Israel, God's people, wanted a king. OK, they were kind of like everybody else got a king. They like as we slide on social media, we see everybody else got a king, but we don't have a king. So we want a king. And so God's like, OK, all right, you can get a king. They chose Saul. OK, when we open up in chapter 16, um, <laughs> because Saul had made so many mistakes and remember, he was the people's king. He was not God's king. I don't have time to do 
I, I don't have time to deal with that. So, <laughs> so here it is. Yes, Michelle, we always ask him stuff. Give us a king. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, so then um, God says to Samuel, he says, hey, how long will you mourn the fact that we're done with Saul? He said, I'm done. I'm done with Saul. Here's what God says. I have chosen for myself a king. So, remember, I'm reading pretext. So I can understand everything that's happening in the text that God has put in my heart. Right. So um, God says, I want you. He said, I've chosen myself uh, for myself a king. I want you to go to Bethlehem. There's this guy named Jesse. He got some boys over there and he says, I will tell you what to do when you get there. So here is Samuel. Listen to what Samuel says. Samuel was like, hold on, um, God. What if Saul hears about the fact <laughs> that I'm about to go up here and anoint another king? Saul will kill me. In other words, here's what Samuel says. I love Samuel. Samuel's like, wait a minute, God, this is messy. This is messy. You want me to go pick a king and we got a king? If he hears about this, he will kill me. God said, I love God because God always has a plan. God says, here's what you're going to do. Hear me. He said, get a heifer. Take a heifer with you, an animal to sacrifice to uh, Bethlehem or yeah, to Bethlehem to uh, to sacrifice. In other words, the way you get out of this mess, uh, 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 Samuel, the way you get out of this mess, listen, is to worship. He says, tell the people, because what, what has happened is when he gets there. To Bethlehem and they see the elders of the city see Samuel coming they was like oh my god Samuel what are you doing here like are we in trouble and Samuel says no I come to in peace I come to worship and here's what I love because God is saying here the way you handle this ain't what I'm teaching but since I'm here you got to hear it the way we handle transitions of life listen is worship <laughs> yes, Dorian, it's a currency. He says the way you manage transitions in your life so transitions don't kill you, Samuel, because you worried about Saul who's about to go out and you worried about him killing you. He says the way you manage life transitions is worship. Anybody here, anybody tracking with me right here? Oh, my God. That's how you handle life transitions. And some of our challenges, we don't worship. We complain. We cry. We sleep. We eat. We shop through transitions. And we wonder why it seems like I can't make it. God says the way you handle transitions is that you worship. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I see the model right here in the text. Prophet. You worried about what Saul's going to do to you because I'm telling you what I'm doing. He says the way we get through this transition is that you tell the elders that you're coming to worship. And then he says, when you get there, invite Jesse and his boys. OK, so here we go. David is introduced to us in the text because when Samuel gets there, Samuel Gets to the elders. They say, we, what's going on here? Are we good? It's, Samuel's like, yeah, we good. I come in peace. I just want to worship. Go ahead and cross your crate yourself so y'all can come with me and worship. He says, and get uh, Jesse. Bring Jesse and his boys to come worship with us. So this is what happens. Okay. Uh, y'all go back and read the text so you can see it. But all the boys file through. Okay. He starts with the oldest, Eliab. Eliab. Uh, Samuel says to himself, oh, this is the dude. He good looking, tall. This got to be the dude. He's the oldest. This is the dude. But but the anointing for which oh, Samuel had to do the job, the anointing didn't power on for Eliab. And he was like, wait a minute. This surely is the guy. But I don't feel that thing. <laughs> what the old saints would say, I don't feel that check in my spirit about him. And then God starts speaking. He says, hey, I have not chose him. He says, I want you to get your act together, Samuel, because man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. So then Samuel's like, OK, I got myself together. No sweat. So he they all filed through all seven. And Holy Ghost never says, OK, go. 
And he says to uh, Jesse, he's like, is this all your sons? Is this all your sons? He says, surely there's another. Why would you say, surely there's another, Samuel? Because what I know is the word of God is true. If God can't call me and told me to come up here and anoint a king, and I trust the Holy Ghost on my life, if I don't feel the Holy Ghost, that means this assignment ain't over. Don't, don't mess with me today. Some of us keep walking away from stuff that the Holy Ghost never told you to walk away. You ain't heard him. You ain't felt him. And you thought because it wasn't going the way you thought it was going that you need to walk away. And I hear God telling you right now, wait for my instructions. Stop running. Stop hiding. Stop leaving. Stop turning stuff off. Stop disconnecting and wait for my instructions for you. <laughs> Samuel says, it ain't over. It can't be over. So, Jesse, do you have any more sons? Because he says, we ain't even going to sit down and eat till I find, do what I'm supposed to do. Nobody going to eat. What's going on? So, and, and, and Jesse says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one. I got one more. He out there with the sheep, though. I mean, it, could tell, it tells you how they thought about David, that they got Samuel, the voice of God coming, and they have been invited to worship, and everybody's coming together, and you're going to leave this guy out here? You're not going to bring him in? And, and, and Samuel says, no, go, go, go get this guy, go get that son, so we, can, uh, so we can eat, man, I'm hungry. You're delaying my assignment. So he goes to get David. Listen, David is the one. He pours oil on David. Okay, keep reading in 16, we find, now we're introduced uh, to the fact that God has taken his hand off of Saul and replaced his hand with a troubling spirit, right? So not only do we meet David, we hear in the beginning of chapter 16 that God is done with Saul. We meet David and hear that God has chosen David. But then toward the end of chapter 16, we see that David and Saul meet for the first time. So David, so Saul got this uh, troubling spirit. One of the servants says, hey, um, what needs to happen is we need to find somebody who got the gift here that can play, sing, tell jokes and make this troubling spirit leave. Another servant says, hey, I know this guy. He's the son of Jesse. You read it. He's the son of Jesse. And he's uh, it says it says that he's talented. He can play. He's good looking. He got he got experience in war. Yeah. And God is with him. So then the text goes on to say that they go get David. Right. And David comes to the palace and then the palace. He starts playing for Saul. And when he plays the harp for Saul. The uh, excuse me, the, the, the distressing spirit leaves. OK, David. And so then Jesse sends, you know, gifts up there. Then Saul sends back to Jesse and say, hey, let your son live here. I need him to move in. So it's at this point that Saul uh, knows David and David not only plays for Saul, but he also becomes an armor bearer for Saul. OK, relationship. When you read chapter 17, we find that David is introduced to Saul for a first time. And so I'm stressed. As I'm studying this, I get a little stressed. Because what happens is after David kills Goliath and takes the head off of him, the Bible says, uh, well, no, even before that moment when he starts saying, I'll fight him, the word gets to Saul. And they was like, Saul's like, bring me that boy who's saying this. And he looks at David and he's like, you're just a boy. He's like, this man is a grown man, a big old dude, and he has war experience. He's a warrior. You're just a boy. And so then, listen, here, then after Saul, after David says his speech, all that stuff that we'll get into in this series, um, Saul says to him, okay, fine, go in, the, go in the power of the Lord. No sweat. He says, let me give you my armor. So when I start reading all of this, I'm like, something don't feel right. Because in chapter 16, <laughs> chapter 16, they meet. He becomes the armor bearer. In chapter 17, they have this encounter again. Okay, they meet, and then David tries on the armor. If these stories were connected, David would already know how much the armor weighs. 
Some ain't right. And I'm struggling because I felt like I got to start over. Because what I had told, what I had told uh, Lady P was, hey, I think I know where I'm starting. Because chapter 17 starts with the fact that David would go back and forth. Here's what the text says, from Saul to Jesse to tend the sheep. And he would go back and forth. So in my head, I'm thinking this means that he would go from the palace back to his daddy's house, look after the sheep, which I was going to preach a show enough good one that before you can go to your next, you got to make sure you stay in touch with your foundation and all that kind of stuff. But the more I studied that, I realized that that ain't right. Okay. Now, this is this is why this is big to me. This might not be big to you. It's big to me because as a theologian, it's important for me to give it to you <coughs> to the best of my ability, because I could have connected all of that for you. And for the let's, let me just be real for the average Bible reader. They would think these stories go together. But what I found out in my study is that they do not. Only what gave them away was the two introductions to David and Saul. So I have to sit back in the chair that I was studying in, close my books that I'm reading, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what we doing? Because I don't want to start over. <laughs> it's Tuesday. I don't want to start over. Come on, I need to have this done by Thursday. And he says to me, Tim, these are two separate stories. And so the more I started digging, I find out that theologians agree because of the introductions. These are two separate stories. Are you hearing me? Well, it's through a monkey wrench in my program. It just did. It threw a monkey wrench. And that, that's why we preaching what happened, because all I got to preach today all this study I did is preaching what happened in my study time. So the Holy Ghost came and whispered in my ear. He said, Tim, tell the people we must understand the narrative. And I said, OK, keep talking. So I have something else to say. He says, here's the deal. You approached this <laughs> like it was the story of David. He says, that's why you're hung up. You thought chapter 16 was the beginning of David. And then chapter 17 was going to be the next phase of David's life. On 16, he gets anointed. He gets chosen by God. He gets anointed. He gets a job in the palace. And so then you think, okay, chapter 17, he moves from the job in the palace and he starts, he about to kill this, uh, kill this, this giant. Cause that's one of the things that he goes down in history for. He said, the problem is Tim, this is not chronologically in order. He said, these are just two stories that those who chronicled, chronicled the stories, they chronicled the stories, separate incidences. And they're just put them in there. The editors, those that compile the Bible, Put it in this way, he says, but you thought that it was the chronological story of the life of David. And he says, you got to understand the narrative. I said, what's the narrative? He said, the narrative is this is not the life story of David. This is the story of God in the life of David. And he said, tell my people, they need to understand the narrative. The narrative is, it's not your story. <laughs> it's the story of God in your life. He said, because my people look at things in chronological order. He says, I'm not a slave to time. I made it. And you keep thinking that your life started when you were born. He says, I deal with you when you're born again. Y'all don't hear me. He says, yes, I put you in the womb. I got a plan for you. But it's not until you plug into me that it turns from what you think your life is to now what it is, my story in your life. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die it's game. The bottom line is the narrative that we got to understand. And it helps me, y'all, 
Let me tell you why it helps me. Because I've been struggling for the past few weeks because in the next month, in the next few days, I'm hitting 50. And the challenge that I have is that I'm thinking, well, because I'm 50, I should have done this. I should have this by now. I should be here by now. I should be looking at this kind of growth. I've been going over my failures. I've been looking at my successes and I was not very happy to hit 50 until this week because I keep thinking as it relates to order and time. I ain't doing so well. Come on. Just think about it. We are creatures that operate in time and order. That's why we can swallow a little bit better when we lose our parents. But we do not do well when we lose a child because we feel like it's out of order. Look how y'all looking. But what God is saying is, son, I want you to understand this. When you gave your life to me, it became less about your life story and more about my story in your life. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you have been stressed out about what you feel like your life should look like, where you have been and where you feel like you should be. And I hear God telling you that this is the narrative. It ain't your story. It's my story in your life. Oh, who am I talking to? Who needed to hear it? It ain't about when you were born. It's about when you were born again. It's the narrative. The narrative is this is God. This ain't David. And I've been messed up in my study because I'm thinking I'm talking to you about David. And God has said to me, yo, you're not talking to them about David. You're talking to them about me because David didn't kill the Goliath. I did through him. Look how y'all looking at me. And when you understand that it's about God's story in your life, then you take the pressure off you when it comes to what you think you should be accomplishing, where you think you should be. And God says, I know my time. I know what I have decided for you. When you gave your life to me, it became my story. Now, here's the question, Tim Fryer. Are you going to trust me or do you want to trust the calendar? Look how y'all looking. Look how y'all looking. God, hear me. Listen, people are concerned about time and order, but God is concerned about purpose and deliverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is about his purpose in your life and the people who get set free because they met you. People whose lives are changed because they met you. This has nothing to do with your life. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm happy to set you free. Uh, I'm happy for you to release the pressure. That if you would give your life and understand that the narrative is it's God, you won't be so woe out. Because you feel like it took me seven years to get my four-year degree. Can't get no talk right here. Are you hearing me? Listen. God is concerned about purpose and, listen, and deliverance. This story, y'all, is about... People is for people. The story is for people. Listen, who look like David. He says, Tim, you worried about chronological order. He says, I ain't worried about that. There are people who look like David, who this story will register. You know, people who have been marginalized, who have to fight the giants. Come on. That's who that's who we're talking about. Because I really want you to hear this, because when you look at the story of David and Goliath, It's really on the page, not really what you think, because we see it as God's army against the Philistine army. That's not really what it was, because it was really God's army with all these uh, with all this armor battle experience. It was the Philistines, all their armor, their giant, their battle experience. And then there was David, because when you read the story. Nobody cries out for God, but David. You got to go read it. David is the only one who brings God into the equation of this battle. 
Everybody else was afraid of what Goliath was do, was going to do. Even Saul says, hey, you don't have the experience. Saul says, I'm putting my trust in the experience of battle. And so what happens is this story is for the people who stand in front of, in front of armies but don't have armor. <laughs> this story is for the marginalized. Come on, who stand in front of giants with spears and swords and they don't have a sword. So when they read this story, what they realize is I can tap into the probability of a miracle because I trust God's story in my life. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Okay, I got to go. I got to go. I should be finishing right now. I got to go. So here's number one. That's it. You got to know the narrative. Understand the narrative. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but the narrative is, hear me clearly. The nar you, oh my God, you have been talking about your mistakes and you keep saying I made bad decisions and that has been narrating your life. My bad decisions. I dropped out of school. I didn't stick with this. I let go of this. I said this. I did this. And, and that has not, that's not your narrative. God says you got to let me do the talking. You hush because you keep talking about your failures. He says you hush and realize this is my story in your life because some people met me because they met you and it's because of my story in your life that they got changed listen the narrative is god's story if you're gonna kill your giants you keep rolling up on your giants talking about you but you got to roll up on your giants talking about god because it's god's story in your life but the main oh i don't want to jump into this, but I'm going to say this and leave. The main giant you got to fight is you. You the main giant. <laughs> you the main giant. You the one. That's what lady was teaching uh, Thursday night. You keep wrestling with yourself. You keep talking about your own failures and you can't go forward because you keep talking to yourself louder than you'll allow God to talk to you. I got to go. So here we go. I got to finish. That's number one understand the narrative here's your number two i said it before number two is understand your assignment okay y'all <sighs> look at look at uh samuel 17 look at verse 34 and verse 33 here's what it reads but david said to saul your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a, line, uh, a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, and delivered it, uh, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I caught it by its beard. I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord will deliver me from the, the Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, the narrative. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David for the first time, go and the Lord be with you. Okay. Now let me give you this real quick and I got to get out of here. Here's the deal. David has one assignment but he gets one assignment from two fathers when you go back to chapter when you go right here to the beginning of chapter 17 okay I, I for the sake of time I just couldn't read all that to you what we find is what was normally happening with David when the text says that he would go from Saul to Jesse, what it really meant was he would go from the battlefield where Saul's army was back home. And so what we find in chapter 17 is that Jesse gives him another one of those assignments. He says, here, take this food and deliver it to your brothers. Earthly father says, take this food and deliver it to your brothers. OK. Then the heavenly father 
also gives him uh, an assignment, but it's the same assignment. The same assignment is, uh, David, deliver people. Okay, let's deal with it. He says, but I'm going to give you practice uh, for delivering people by letting you deliver a lamb, a little sheep. Wait a minute. God calls people sheep. Jesus says, my sheep, my people know my voice and a stranger's voice. They will not follow. Come on. Uh, Paul writes, it says that we are like sheep all day long for the slaughter. God. So God gives David an assignment and his assignment is to deliver. Y'all stay with me. So his earthly dad says, go deliver. Deliver this food to your boys. God's assignment is go and deliver people, son. I'm going to let you get the practice by fighting a bear <laughs> and fighting a lion to deliver the lamb, my symbol for people, out of their mouths. Whenever the, the enemy comes to try to take the lamb, kill the bear or the lion. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I got to tell you this because we miss it. We've missed this for years. What do you mean, Pastor? We feel like David's assignment was to be king. Because when we're introduced to him in chapter 16, that's what we're introduced him with. This whole thing, go anoint David as king. Can I tell y'all something? That was not David's assignment. That was David's function. And the challenge that we have is that we miss our assignment by focusing on our function. And we think because this is what we do, we feel like this is who I am. And God says, you got to know the assignment. Quit looking at the job title. He says, because what I have placed on you to do, the assignment that I give you has nothing to do with the job title. He says what we find out with David is what David does is deliver. He delivered the lamb. Come on. From the from the from the animals mouths. He delivers the food. To his brothers. He delivers the army. From Goliath. He goes on to be king and he delivers the presence, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God from the Philistine camp. He not only does that, he goes in and overtakes Jerusalem and delivers Jerusalem and makes Jerusalem the center of God's people because he was a deliverer. Hear me, whether he was a shepherd doing the shepherd job, whether he was doing the king job, he was still a deliverer. And if you're going to kill your giants, you're going to have to understand who you are, what your assignment is. Quit saying to me that I'm a bus driver. You're not a bus driver. How do you deal with the kids while you're driving the bus? Okay, so then you go on to say, hey, I got a degree in this and now I'm a nurse or a medical assistant. You're not that. That is what you do. It's not who you are because how do you handle the people in those jobs? What we find is God gives us a life assignment and the life assignment comes to the surface regardless of what you do. David killed the giant because he knew who he was. Here is what he said. He goes back and he revisits the moments. Y'all. <laughs> he goes back and remembers the moments that was training for him. Because he's a deliverer. And here's what he says to, uh, to Saul. He says, now listen. Y'all, y'all got to hear this. He says, hear me. Saul says, you can't fight, bro. You too young. You can't handle this. He says, let me give you my history. He says, my history is when I'm sitting out there taking care of my daddy's sheep assignment. The assignment is, son, protect the sheep. Deliver the sheep. Do what you got to do that not one lamb is missing. And he says, what I learned in that 
is that regardless of how big the animal was, when it was time for me to be who I was called to be, God gave me what I needed to get the job done. So when the lion took the sheep, I said, give me that sheep. And then the lion got mad at me and rose up against me and I didn't run. I grabbed him by his weak spot, his beard, and I killed him, took his head off. Bear, same thing, took his head off. Why? Because I'm a deliverer. It is my assignment. So what David does is that he goes back to his history to tell Paul, I mean, to tell Saul what was going to happen right now. Let me tell y'all something. Oh, I feel like preaching and I got to go. I need to tell you this. Stop focusing on your trauma and look for your trademark. You keep complaining about what has gone on in your life. You keep talking about the hard moments and the hard times. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what, how, how I had to come up. You don't know what kind of parents I had. You don't know where we had to live. I've been homeless. I was raped. I was molested. My daddy beat my mama. My daddy beat us. And instead of Looking at the trauma, find out what your trademark was. How did you overcome that? What happened in the midst of it? What did you do? What did you say? How did you get over? And what you'll find when you look at your history from the eyes of searching for the trademark, you will find your assignment. Who am I preaching to today? You keep asking about what your purpose is. You keep wanting to know. Listen, this is God's story in your life. And you got to lead a trauma alone and look at how you overcame. Look how you keep pressing. What did you do? I kept encouraging myself. Are you kidding me? You encouraged yourself through all of that? I did. I told myself, don't give up. I told myself, don't let go. I told myself, you can't stop. So then when you got your diploma in high school and got your little job, your work study job in college, what was you doing then? I was working in the library. And what did you do in the library? I told students, you can't stop. I know it's hard. Wake up. You got to pass this class. So what, what are you telling me in every stage of your life? No matter of the good and the bad, you were encouraging people. Oh, so could you be then encouragement? Could your assignment be to encourage people through life? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And you keep thinking, oh, no, I'm not this. I'm that because this is what I do at work. So this is what I, I don't. I didn't ask you what you do. I'm asking you, who are you? Gotta go. I gotta go, man. Here's what I'm trying to tell y'all today. Write this down. Knowing your assignment brings confidence. Knowing who assigned you brings victory. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you today? Ooh, I sense God in this. See, we keep thinking that killing the giant is knowing how to choose a smooth stone. Before he reached into his bag, he had to understand who he was. He had to understand that this is about God in my life. If this wasn't about God, Saul, I wouldn't be telling you that I could do this. He says, no matter what I did while fighting the bear or the lion, he says, what I realized was it was God that gave me the victory and the same God that gave me the victory over the lion and the bear will give me the victory over Goliath. To me, he's as big as a lion, as big as a bear. It's all the same to me. I'm little. It's all the same to me. But because I know oh, y'all don't hear me, it's all the same to me. It's a battle. It's life. It's my assignment to deliver. So whether I'm fighting a big bear, a big lion, or a big man, it's all the same to me because I know my assignment and our challenge is we keep trying to categorize life in this and this and this. And when you understand you, you'll know how to say yes based on how you understand you, but you'll also know how to say no based on how you understand you. My reason for being in the world, this is what I tell everybody, in the church world, in corporate world, I exist to develop people. And when I say yes, it's because I say yes and I run it through the filter of understanding my assignment. 
If I say no, I say no because I run it through the filter of understanding my assignment. My assignment is to develop people. Boardroom, classroom, come on, church, McDonald's, wherever I am, it's about developing people. And people say to me, it's, just, it's amazing how you know what you're supposed to do. I ain't always known it. But when I was faced with some big decisions, I started realizing that, wait a minute. Everything I do ends up here. This is what I do well. This is what I do easy. This is what I can do in my sleep. Wake me up in the middle of the night. Let me wipe the sleep out of my eyes. Ask me a question and God will give wisdom that's going to bring development because it's my, it's my assignment. In life, it's why I exist. Well, you say, oh, God called you to be a pastor. No, he called me to develop people. This is one of my ways of doing it. And we get caught up in titles and functions. You could be the president of the United States of America. But if you do not know why you exist, it still will not matter. Love y'all. <laughs> Gotta go. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name. Oh, look, wait, wait, wait. Look, uh, uh. That is Tasha. Tasha says our conversation should be I exist to fill in the blank. Yes, it's called your it's called your life statement. It's your life mission statement. I exist too. But you only know that, guys, when you start going back through your life and seeing what is consistent about your life. I've been developing people since seventh grade. That's where you learn. Go back. Visit the stuff. I don't want to talk about that. That's just too hard for me. Get, get over yourself. Get over yourself. You went through the pain. You went through the battle to understand who you are. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it was daunting. That's why you went through it. Get the value out of it. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my sisters and my brothers pray today that this word takes root that as they go back to the hard places that they go back to the battles that they will see your story your narrative in their lives and I pray God that you would open their eyes to their assignment in life and I thank you now that that will help them take the head off of the enemy in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I hope y'all got something out of this today. If you're going to kill your Goliath, you must understand the narrative. And you must understand your assignment. Y'all be encouraged today. I got to go. So listen, if you need to give your life to Jesus... They're going to put the information in the chat. There's a phone number that you can text and you text the word new life. We got a team waiting to talk to you. They're waiting to respond to you to get you connected today with a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it happens. It start The narrative starts there. Also, if you want to become a member of Christ in the church, you want me to be your pastor. I'd love to be your pastor. I am a process. I'm, I'm, I'm growing. But one thing I do understand is I understand my assignment in the earth. I do. Not always understood it, but I got it now, and I'm in stride. So if you want to join our church, there's a number there. You text the word connect, and they'll reach out to you and get you plugged in and tell you what your next steps are. Listen, I love y'all. I'm jumping off today. Be encouraged. Kill your Goliath in Jesus' name.